We now know 21 of the Seahawks 30 top 30 visits. Thinking big picture, what does that mean heading into the 2023 NFL draft? Rob and I are going to be dishing some takeaways here on our latest episode of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbett Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for our Wednesday episode, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Missouri or you're overseas listening in Finland. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to continue the mock draft theme of this week. Yesterday, we looked at all offensive players, so we're going to be looking on the defensive side of the football. Twelves rejoice after seeing the way that defense played last season. We're going to see if we can upgrade the roster with a bunch of defensive talent, and we're going to take a look at 21 visits for the Seahawks for their top 30 visits and what that might mean big picture moving forward. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. As I mentioned, 21 of the 30 visits for the Seahawks, their top 30 visits now, have been reported and confirmed. And compared to other years, Rob, that's a very high total. We're talking over two-thirds of the visits now are well-known. We have them confirmed. And really, if you look at the list, as we talked about yesterday, Something that's not surprising, there's a lot of defensive linemen that are on this list, especially with the lack of depth that this team has right now. That's not surprising. But when you consider the players that we now know have been to the VMAC or have visited Lumen Field for a top 30 visit so far, what stands out to you as far as takeaways heading towards the NFL draft? Well, uh, to me, one of the most interesting things is just the variety of prospects. I mean, you're talking about guys who are, are going to be first round picks, you know, quite possibly, at least in the opinion of the agent, guaranteed to be top 10 picks in like a Jalen Carter, all the way down to players that I think are going to wind up falling out of the draft and being undrafted free agents. And that, in my opinion, or at least what what I had seen before, that had been the strategy that Seattle had taken in the past. That's why I kind of love this expression, top 30 visits, because for some teams, it truly is that kind of connotation that there's players that are going to be selected with their first or second round picks. But for the Seahawks, they, at least from the players that I've seen in the past, it's been reports. I think it's an excellent point that you made. We're seeing so many more names this year, but for, for this year, it, it seems like Seattle is, again, focusing some of its attention on the top-rated guys, but also focusing some of its attention on the middle and late-round guys. And that had been, I think, the focus in the past. It certainly had led to a great deal of success with Seattle, you know, really uh, hitting the you know, hitting home runs, excuse me, um, with some of their undrafted free agent signs in the past years. I think sometimes fans, when they hear top 30, again, it's kind of a misnomer when you consider it because – If it really was top 30, you would think it'd be all first round or early second round caliber guys that would be flown out to visit your team. But NFL teams don't have 15 first round picks. That's not how it works. I mean, Seattle's going to have two and that's a lot. So Mm -hmm. 
your chances of getting those marquee players, you're going to get one or two swings of the bat to get players like that. You have to be able to scout and evaluate players that are going to be available for the rest of your picks. And so it's it's really just common sense that you would have a bunch of guys that have day three evaluations and undrafted free agent evaluations so that you can give yourself a little bit of a head start. So when you get to the end of the draft, you already have connections with some of those players and yep. you are able to maybe have them as a priority player to sign. Seattle's done that in the past, the way that they've handled players like say Doug Baldwin, where we know that famous letter from John Schneider. I mean, those are things that end up adding up when you're trying to add the best players that don't get picked. So you look at the list of players. We have this on our YouTube right now, the 21 visits and most of the players are in red or maroon, which means they're either a day three selection or an undrafted free agent based off of uh, composite rankings from Pro Football Focus, Draft Network, and Pro Football Network, three of the main mock draft generators out there. And that tells you all you need to know. More than half of these players are day three or undrafted players, at least based on those ratings, which are not the end-all, be-all. But certainly that tells you the Seahawks, they are doing their due diligence with these visits, mostly on players that are going to be fourth through the seventh round or maybe potentially fall out of the draft. So they have those connections and you know which players they can pick with their later round selections. The other thing that really jumped out to me, Rob, we have 21 players on that list. There's literally one offensive skill player and that's yeah. charlie jones the receiver from purdue now i've talked about charlie jones a bunch in this show he is one of my favorite day three prospects a 4-4 guy that runs really smooth routes he gets open in the short to intermediate game he'll surprise you sometimes downfield but he is really a chain mover and he is as good of a receiving threat as you're going to find in this draft in terms of soft hands but he's the only guy on there. There's no running backs. There's no other receivers. There's no tight ends. Almost this entire list is made up of defensive players and offensive guys that are in the trenches. It's offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and the defensive skill positions. And I think that paints a picture what the Seahawks are looking at going into this draft as their biggest needs. Yeah, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I think that that when you look at that, um, you know, that list of, of players that we now have not only been um, reported, but apparently, as you said, confirmed 21 of the 30. And, and there's only the one skill position. Player. Look, Charlie Jones is, is a good football player. But at the same time, to me, what is really interesting about that is just the absolute lack of skill position players. I mean, we, we talked a lot about quarterbacks. Uh, it, it surprises me that Seattle doesn't have a single quarterback a lot about running backs. Seattle's have a single running back on that list. That does surprise me a little bit. I think that it does go back to exactly what you said a moment ago is that it, it, it again is, is a focus on the line of scrimmage. I think that we're seeing that here because there's plenty of offensive linemen on there, including a player that, you know, as the graphic shows in Dewan Jones, the big right tackle from Ohio state, one of the very first players reported to Seattle that again, has been a focus and it has shown the uh, just the, the range that Seattle has been willing to in, in invest these, uh, these, 
interviews, these private visits with, with these teams. So to me, that is definitely something that that is very interesting about it. And then quickly, you talked for a moment about Charlie Jones. I'll, I'll talk about a moment for about Robert Cooper, a defensive tackle from Florida State here um, that is one of the most recent reported visits. And, you know, it, it's interesting because Jalen Carter, the big Georgia defensive tackle, is a player that I and others have co- often compared to Jeffrey Simmons, the Tennessee Titans star defensive tackle who just re-signed with the Titans. And anybody who saw his press conference, he was very emotional, very a great deal of pride. He's exactly what you want the player to be as far as who he is on the field, clearly a very good player, but off the field as well, what drives him. I've, again, made that comparison to Jalen Carter with Jeffrey Simmons in terms of physical ability. Robert Cooper, the Florida State defensive tackle, he plays with the type of intensity from like a Jeffrey Simmons. He plays the type of selflessness um, and, and team focus that that you're looking for, like a Jeffrey Simmons. Now, I'm not saying he's that type of player. He's not. He's going to be a, a late rounder, maybe un, even undrafted. But the, the reason why I think the Seahawks are interested in him is because, of one, he's a good football player. For two, he's coming off a shoulder surgery. He played through – uh, you know, a, a busted up shoulder all this entire season. And the reason why is because as he, he did in a, in a recent interview um, with the NFL, you know, good morning NFL uh, crew, uh, NFL network, excuse me. Um, they, uh, they, they asked him about it. And I mean, he just, the, the quality of his answers, the passion in his eyes, I think that's exactly what, what Seattle is looking for and why they brought him in. And to me, he epitomizes what this entire process is about. He is a guy that because of the shoulder surgery might've fallen through the cracks. That's why you have these so-called top 30 visits is because you're trying to find the top 30 fits for your particular club. And I'm glad you mentioned the injury because I think that is one of the biggest components of these top 30 visits is the medical aspect, your medical staff, getting the opportunity to bring the player into your facility and you get to check them out yourself. You can't work them out, but you can do medicals. And so I think that some teams would tell you that's the most important part of these top 30 visits. And it's really the biggest part of the off season is making sure that these guys are healthy and good to go before you draft them. And so that is critical. One last thing I'm going to mention real quick There are a number of offensive linemen on here that were tackles in college that I believe are going to be guards in the NFL. And what's interesting about that is Andy Dickerson had a history when he was the Rams of drafting tackles in the middle late rounds and moving them to guards. So players like Tyler Steen, who played at Vanderbilt and Alabama, he was a second team all conference tackle, but he's really athletic. They probably are looking at him as a guy that they can slide inside to compete with Phil Haynes at right guard or learn behind Damian Lewis at the left guard position. So that's just something to keep in mind with players like that and Braden Daniels from Utah being another one. I mean, they're clearly looking at guys that have some flexibility to move along the offensive line. And of course, a big tackle like Dewan Jones, which would mean Abraham Lucas is going to be the one sliding inside. But most of these guys are players that I think are tackles at college level that can move inside in the NFL. And it creates an interesting dynamic heading towards the draft coming up next We are going to be continuing our mock draft week here. Yesterday, it was all offense. Today, it's going to be all defense, dueling seven-round mock drafts. We'll see who has the upper hand here. I'll give Rob the credit. He won most of the votes yesterday, but I'm coming for vengeance today with defense. We're going to get to our first three rounds coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Alderman Football GM. If you listen to Locked on Seahawks regularly, you know how much I love the mobile game. 
Altman Football GM. And if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL general manager like John Schneider and managing your own football franchise, your dream can come true with this game. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for everything from hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of the season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. If you want to give John Schneider a run for his money running your own team, this is the way to go. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. It's a blast, and our listeners should join in on the fun in their own league. Locked on Seahawks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code Locked On. That's in all caps in the game store. That's locked on in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. Download the game by going to ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad, as always, to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Ray. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out the brand new NFL draft newsletter here at Locked On. Luke Inman's doing a fantastic job putting that resource together. So take advantage of it by downloading that resource at lockedonpodcast.com slash newsletters to sign up for your free NFL draft newsletter. Yesterday, Rob, this is really mock draft week here on Locked On Seahawks. We have a couple weeks until the real deal We had an opportunity for fans on Monday to make the selections, and then yesterday it was all offense. We're going to wrap things up today looking at all defense. And So a major asterisk here on the players that we can pick. No offensive players today, only defensive players. So let's get to it with rounds one through three. We know the Seahawks have a number of needs on defense after finishing 25th in the NFL in scoring defense and 31st in rushing defense last year. Rob, let's take a look at your first five selections. Yeah, I, just look at these guys here. I think I'm not going to surprise a lot of people by going with the player I'm going to lead things off with, and that being Will Anderson. I and mean, we've talked about him so many times, Corbin. If he happens to be available to Seattle, I think that's the pick. And I, I think that you can make an argument for Jalen Carter because he fills a bigger, literally and figuratively, area of concern. But at the same time, with your two best uh, edge rushers currently in, in Daryl Taylor. We saw flashes of him a year ago. He's entering the final year of his contract. And of course, Lieutenant Nuosu, who we've talked about many times, is also entering the final year of his contract. I think that it would make some sense to get another edge rush edge rusher in this draft. And if the best player in the draft, at least from a defensive side of the ball, is available to you at number five, I think that's just a slam dunk selection. I think you have to take this guy. To me, he is the he is the the, the player. He his physicality at the point of attack, it makes him a much better run defender than you would think for his 6'4", 255-pound frame. He has burst. He has bend. He's not a really twitchy guy. If, if, you're, it's what you're, if that's what you're looking for is twitch, then I, I would say there's some other edge rushers in this class who have better burst. But when you look at the total package, when you look at the production, when you look at the consistency, uh, to me, he is a slam dunk selection. So that, that's why I, I have Will and Essen going at number, number five overall. Um, from that point on, though, is where things are going to get a little bit more creative. Um, and so if you can kind of throw the, the list back up there for me, Corbin, with uh, Mozzie Smith, the, the big nose guard, there's a lot of people who are not going to view him as a top 20 pick. 
I just don't know that he is going to be available to you at your next selection, number 37 overall. I know that he is in a lot of mock drafts. I just don't think that he necessarily will be in the actual draft. I think you're going to see a greater focus on the line of scrimmage, offensive line and defensive line in the actual draft than what we see in a lot of media stuff. I think you're going to see a lot of receivers, a lot of running backs, a lot of the flashy perimeter players. I think there's going to be a bigger focus on the line of scrimmage, and that's what I'm projecting here. So again, I don't think that he's ideal at 20. I think he'd be ideal in a, in a trade down. But again, I think stopping the run has to be a huge priority for Seattle. If they go edge rusher or any other defensive position at number five, I think you have to come back and get one of these big defensive tackles, either at number 20 or number 53. Because we get to have some fun with this, uh, you know, using all all 10 selections on defensive players, then I, I'm going to stick, go while the going is good, basically along the defensive line. And Adetamiwa, Adeboare, we talked so much about him, um, you know, in, just in yesterday's show. Um, but to me, at 6'2", 280 pounds, his ability to slide up and down the line of scrimmage, I think is just really exciting i'm gonna stay on the defensive line i'm gonna continue to get bigger i, I know that sounds crazy but seattle's focus on the line of scrimmage a year ago everybody said seattle's crazy when they started when they took and then started charles cross and abe lucas and yet it obviously worked out i think that this defensive line class is good enough that you have to hit it hard early but if you do i think that you can be successful so javon dexter big defensive tackle from florida one of my favorite just big mauling types not a pass rusher but still a big strong guy at the point of attack uh actually kind of reminds me a little bit and just his nastiness of a jaron reed um and then finally uh, a, a linebacker that I'm higher on than apparently everybody else in the entire country. Um, but Jeremy Banks from Tennessee, I have all kinds of questions about who he is as a teammate. I have no questions about what he is as a football player. Um, I, I think that Jeremy Banks is one of the starting linebackers in this class that people are absolutely sleeping on and that somebody is going to wind up getting a explosive playmaker. And if he commits to this craft, a possible Pro Bowl caliber player. Yeah, I think that he's certainly an intriguing one in the third round. I think the one pick on here, and you explained yourself pretty well, the one pick that I would be scratching my head about a little bit is just I like Mozzie Smith. I don't know that I like him enough to pick him at number 20, but you make some really good points there that the run defense was so bad last year. There's no Al Woods. There's no Brian Monet, at least a healthy one right now. That is such a huge need, and Mozzie Smith might be a player that the end of the first round gets plucked up because those kind of players, there aren't very many of those big-bodied guys that also have some potential to be pass rushers, and so he might sneak into the first round. It just seems to me like that one might be a little bit rich at number 20. Obviously, uh, when you look at Ade, uh, I never can say his last name correctly, <laughs> so when you look at uh, Adebore from Northwestern, that would be my favorite value pick here because he's the one that I think has a better chance to go around pick number 20, maybe even yeah. sneak into the top 15 like with what he did at the NFL Combine. And so that would be my favorite value pick of the five selections you had there. And obviously, Will Anderson, that's a home run. If you can get him at number five, I don't know if he's going to be available there. But with all the teams trying to trade up with the Arizona Cardinals, you know that would benefit the Seahawks if one of those teams jumped up to get Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, and then the Colts take the other quarterback available. Now you get your pick of any of the top defenders at number five overall, if a team trades up to get Will Anderson with the Houston Texans, then obviously that completely throws a wrench in your plans. Looking at my mock draft here, my first three rounds, 
I'm going to stun people a little bit with my first selection. And this has been something I've been hinting at here the last couple of podcasts. But I think the Seahawks have the potential to throw a curveball in this draft with that number five pick. And they have set themselves up to do that with the moves they've made in free agency. If Jalen Carter is not on your board because of his off-field stuff and Will Anderson is gone, in this case, you picked him in your mock draft, yeah, And Tyree Wilson, there's questions about him potentially. Sure. If you're looking for a surefire guy at number five, I don't know if there's any such thing as a surefire 100% prospect, but Devin Witherspoon screams yep. Seattle yep. Seahawks cornerback. And I know that some of our listeners are going to be saying, but they have Trey Brown, they have Mike Jackson. Well, those guys are not Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon, he checks off every box that Pete Carroll looks for at outside corner. He's not the biggest guy, but he's got long enough arms. He's extremely physical. We've talked and we've stressed how much Pete Carroll values tackling at the cornerback position. Just put on a couple tapes of Illinois and you're going to see hit sticks. This guy doesn't just wrap up. He blows people up regularly. Run a tunnel screen against him. You're probably going to get flattened like a pancake. He also is a corner that teams most of last year in the Big Ten it got to the point where they were Richard Shermaning him, meaning they were not throwing, they were not looking to his side of the field, and for good reason. He had three interceptions last year, a bunch of pass breakups, very rarely gave up big plays in coverage. He was winning downfield. He was winning short to intermediate game. I think he's the best corner in this draft class. And so I know that Seattle's never picked a corner earlier in the third round, but John Schneider hasn't had the number five pick with a chance to pick the number one corner in the draft. And some people might think Gonzalez from Oregon is that player, but I think a corner is not something that should be completely ruled out here because they have not had a chance to get a guy. You put Witherspoon with Woolen, I think you would have a lot of fun in that secondary. As for the rest of my draft class, I went after the defensive line. The next three picks at number 20, I get another uber athletic guy in Nolan Smith. And we haven't seen the pass rushing production from him that you would expect with his athleticism, but he's actually a really good run defender. And we know how much the Seahawks need to improve that. And I think there's a lot of upside as a pass rusher in an NFL scheme. And then Kalijah Kansi, I wouldn't pick him in the first round, but if he's there at number 37, yes, I'm taking my shot on a guy that's incredibly athletic at 280 pounds and has great pass rushing production. And then my last two picks, Keanu Benton in the middle. There's your nose tackle. Maybe he's not one of those 330, 340 pound guys, but he plays like that and he's improved as a pass rusher. This guy was a great wall of badger for Wisconsin. You would not run the ball on him the last two years in the middle. And so I like that pick there. And then I decided to double up on Illinois secondary players because they were the number one scoring defense in college football for a reason. The secondary was a big part of that. Jartavius Martin, who's on that list we showed earlier of top 30 visits, he's played slot corner, outside corner, and he's played some safety. He had seven interceptions in his college career, and he's another guy. He'll come up and he'll hit you. That was a trademark of Illinois' defense. I look at him as a guy you could plug in and say, hey, where do you want to play? Where do you think you can compete? because he's got the versatility and athleticism to do that. Oh, he absolutely does. I mean, Corbin, I'm competitive. I, I want to beat you in our little defensive mock draft contest here. But at the same time, I absolutely love the the, the projection that you've created here. I mean, I look, I, I certainly understand every argument against taking a quarterback here. And the biggest one probably be it's just being Seattle's history, which we've talked about so many times before. I'm not even going to rehash it at this point. 
Witherspoon is a terrific player. Um, as you mentioned, in Illinois, the fighting Illini, I don't think a lot of people maybe in Pac-12 country recognize that just how good that Illini defense was a year ago. I mean, Corbin, I'm watching tape, and I see seven, eight guys that I think are absolutely NFL-caliber players, including one argument, one of the better ones, is a defensive tackle who's coming back um, for, for next season. Really good football, really good football team. And Witherspoon is the best of the bunch. And you don't say that very often about a cornerback. I love the physicality. I, I love the tenacity against the run. I, I love just the, 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 you know, he plays with a bravado that you don't really see that often anymore. And, and I, I, so to me, he is absolutely one of those candidates that you maybe do change your historical tendencies for a player like that. Cause just imagine just the, the immediate impact ability of having two corners like that, you know? So I, again, I agree with you. Nolan Smith to me is again, a player I'm very, very high on. Uh, if you're going to go with Will Anderson, if you like the idea of a Will Anderson to me, Nolan Smith, I hate even saying that he's a consolation prize because I love Nolan Smith's game. But to me, they are very similar players. They're much, much better, uh, you know, power behind their punch than you would think for their size. Um, and so, again, I, and then I can't see, of course. Um, and I, I have a hard time imagining, kind of like you said before, um, you know, about um, – uh, you know, some of the players I bet you, Monty Smith, maybe being at 20 might be a stretch. I think Cansey being at 37 might be a bit of a stretch. But if he's available, oh, my goodness, because what a dynamic talent. So, again, I, I really like that class. I think that it has a possibility of absolutely being um, more accurate than mine and perhaps significantly so. Let's get to our fourth through seventh round picks. But first, again, thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked on NFL scouting podcast with the draft dudes from free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise. Every Monday through Friday, you can find the Locked on NFL scouting podcast with the draft dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, let's continue our dueling mock drafts. We took uh, significantly different approaches there. You went with the popular trendy pick at number five overall with Will Anderson. If he falls to the Seahawks, picking him at number five. I threw the curveball going with Devin Witherspoon in the corner from Illinois. Let's get to our day three selections, though, Rob. And I know this is what gets you super excited because these are the gems. These are the players the Seahawks have had a lot of success over the years, unearthing and finding really good football players. So let's get to your list for your last five picks here. Yeah, so first off, I was going to go with the, the cornerback from South Carolina, Darius Rush, for a lot of the same reasons that we just talked about before with Witherspoon. And it's that, you know, you, you know that you want to have youth at that position. You, know, you want to have long-arm physical kind of guys, and, and Rush, to me, flashes all those things. There's been some inconsistency, but I, I just was really impressed with the the, the, the traits I saw um, and in the flashes I saw at the senior bowl specifically um, talking about the senior bowl, Ivan pace uh, the inside linebacker for Cincinnati. He is a sawed off kind of a guy. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who is more in that, uh, you know, five eleven ish kind of a range. Um, but at the same time, he plays with real thump. He's an instinctive guy. He's got real wiggle to him. He's a good pass rusher, very physical player for his size. And to me, he just makes checks off a lot of sea hockey kind of boxes. 
passes. If we're looking for a nose guard, uh, uh, you know, a little bit later in the draft, then we talked about John Clark before, um, just a big, big man, um, but also a very athletic man. Previously was was a tight end. Um, and, and so you see flashes of that athleticism on tape. Uh, but Alex Austin, the, the cornerback from Oregon State, and this is, again, another long arm uh, athlete who I think is, uh, you know, people are kind of sleeping on nationally. Uh, I think that what, what Oregon State is building, we talked about what the Illini are doing, uh, Oregon State's doing the exact same kind of thing. And then Jarek Reed, a player that um, Seattle has already shown some interest, one of those players we talked about as, as a top 30 visit and has the ball skills I'm looking forward to uh, as well. So to me, uh, I, I am going to focus in on the defensive line early on and then try to just kind of develop the backside of your roster in terms of, sec- in terms of depth in your secondary um, throughout day three. I look at those picks, and obviously uh, Rush is an exciting selection in the fourth round because I actually think he's probably a borderline day two guy, even probably in this cornerback class. So if yeah. you can get him in the fourth round with his size, his physicality, the ball skills, I think that's a very good fit as a player that you can develop that maybe can push for playing time right away as a fourth round selection. Austin's another player that I think I would agree with you. I think people are sleeping on him and he's got the physical traits that teams have been looking for. I mean, a lot of these teams overthink things because they're just like, oh, you're six foot two. You must be the next Richard Sherman or whatever. But obviously you got to look at the traits. And this is a kid that has flashed playing in one of the bigger conferences in college football in the Pac-12 against some pretty good quarterbacks and receivers in the conference. And so I like that selection as well. But probably my favorite pick that you made is actually pick number 151 because I think Ivan Pace, we talked so much about the size metrics, and it matters when we're talking about linebackers. And he looks like a safety being 5'11", 230 pounds and he didn't test as well as I thought he was going to but then you watch what he did at the senior bowl and then you turn on the game film and his ability to wreak havoc as a blitzer and in the senior bowl he took Osiris Torrance and knocked him on his duff on a play Osiris Torrance outweighs him by 110 pounds and he knocked him onto his backside like this guy is such a physical presence I think he's one of the most underrated linebackers in this class, and I think that he has dropped a few pegs because of his workout in Indy. I wouldn't put too much stock in that because I know what this kid can do on a football field, and he's just a fantastic player. So in terms of value, that would probably be my favorite selection in your entire draft because I think that he's a guy that's much better than 151st overall. Seattle can get him there, which is possible because his size is driving him down boards he would be a player that would intrigue me a lot to develop behind Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. And if Devin Bush is obviously going to be there as well, it's a player that you can develop on special teams that might be able to contribute as a starter down the road for you. As far as my selections here, I'm calling my draft the Byron Young draft because, (laughs) you know, if these two guys played the same position and they were the same skill set, then I wouldn't have to worry about drafting both of them. But they actually have such contrasting skills that getting them both in the fifth round on consecutive picks, I actually could see this being something that the Seahawks would do because they both are players that fit what they're looking to do. Byron Young, I see a lot of Daryl Taylor in his game, and they both come from Tennessee. Explosive edge rushers that can get after the quarterback have really good bend. And then Byron Young from Alabama – is not the most athletic defensive tackle, but this guy is hard to move. 
He is a fundamentally sound player coming from Alabama, and he's got positional versatility. He could play a little bit of nose for you. He can play three tech and four eye. He could even play big end in base sets. And again, his technique compensates for the fact that he is not one of the more athletic three techs that is in this draft class, but he's just a really solid football player. And so getting both those guys on consecutive picks, I know it would confuse the living hell out of this fan base. I kind of want to see what it would do in that regard, but it would be, it would just be funny to see that, but they both are good day three value picks. And so I ended up picking them back to back earlier. I picked Dorian Williams at pick 123 athletic linebacker, from Tulane. And what I like about this kid is his coverage skills and his physicality. He checks off all those boxes. He's not a big linebacker around 230 pounds or so, but he plays bigger than that. He hits bigger than that. And he's also a really smooth coverage linebacker, which you have to have that to be an every down linebacker in today's NFL. As far as my last two picks in the sixth round, Anthony Orgy, another linebacker from Vanderbilt. He's a different player, a little bit bigger more of a run defender, gets downhill, hits people, played really well for the worst team in the SEC against top flight competition. And he's a guy that tested really well in Indianapolis as well. And my last pick in the seventh round, Jordan Howden from Minnesota. Very similar to you. You picked a guy that's got a top 30 visit. Howden also had a top 30 visit with the Seahawks. He played some corner. He's played some safety. He's a really good special teams player, a solid athlete as well. A fun guy to develop behind Jamal Adams and Quandre safety position where I see him playing and to give you a really good player to develop on special teams. Yeah, I agree with you. I like the Howden uh, selection to, to kind of wrap it up. Um, I, I like the two Byron Young selections as well. Um, you know, it sounds kind of silly. And if you may have switched back to me when I was trying to find the middle names of both players so I could actually <laughs> distinguish them when I was trying to explain them a little bit here for a moment. Um, you know, but I, I agree that they play very different roles, that they're both very good football players. Um, and that I almost wonder too, and you know how the Seahawks are, that the Seahawks are always looking for ways to get their players to compete against each other you got two guys the same name then they're going to be trying to fight to see who is the the byron young you know i mean and so i I think that that's it's not out of the realm of possibility um when you consider again that these are just two players who happen to play at a high level and play at a positions that are are areas of concern for the Seahawks. But finally, the, the player I want to just really focus in on for just a moment um, and, and just give you some credit, Dorian Williams, the, the outside linebacker for Tulane. Um, to me, I he is one of those guys that kind of like Ivan Pace, we talked about before, the linebacker I mentioned from Cincinnati. With, with Dorian Williams, I love the fact that his splashiest performance of his entire college career came in his last game against USC to win the, you know, the bowl game. 17 tackles in that game. MVP. You don't see linebackers be named MVP very often, but he was, I just love that he had his biggest performance on that stage. And the same thing with, again, Ivan Pace. I mean, this is a kid who played at Miami of Ohio and then gambled, made that transfer up to Cincinnati. And, you know, of course is, you know, Bearcats, of course, being the team, the caliber of team that they are for him to have his splash this season by far of his college career. I think I, I just, to me, those are the Seahawk kind of boxes that we always talk about that. Who has that competitiveness? Who really has that fire? I think Dorian Williams and your linebacker that you mentioned, Ivan Pace, that I had mentioned previously, I think both have those things. And so to me, uh, again, kudos, sir, to a, a job well done. I think that you got a really nice uh, day three of your drafted that could wind up being very successful. 
You and I both know if the Seahawks can just get a handful of the players that we had listed on these two mock drafts, that there's going to be some excitement here on the podcast once those picks are made. Uh, just because we've we've put in the work, we've watched the film, especially you have with you being the draft guru that you are. We, we have watched the tape. We have done everything to put the hay in the barn, so to speak, leading up to this point. And now we just sit here and we chat about possibilities. And so the Seahawks, I think what you can really take away from this draft I don't think we could say this about the all offensive one yesterday because I just don't think it's as strong of a draft on the offensive side of the ball this year. But I feel like most of the strong points in this draft are on defense. The edge group might not have the elite talent at the top, but it is deep. And there's a lot of different types of edge guys that you can get your hands on. The defensive tackle group, there's a little bit of a fall off a cliff when you get to day three, especially if you're looking for big-bodied guys. There's still a lot of really good football players in that position. And this is the deepest cornerback group that I have seen in the 12 years that I have been covering the draft. And so this is really a defensive-oriented draft. And I think these two mocks that we just had showcased this. Some of the talent that we were picking on day three that very well may be available on day three that just tells you the type of depth that there is at a number of these positions. And I'm getting really excited for the real thing, which is, by the way, 14 days away. We got two weeks until the real uh, NFL draft is coming our way from Kansas City. So cannot wait. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and all major podcast platforms to make sure you don't miss a single episode coming up on tomorrow's episode. I'm going to be joined by Dallas Cooper and the two of us are going to be taking a look at Seattle's defensive depth chart, where things stand two weeks before the draft. Hope you'll be joining us for the show. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.